right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. School of Humans. Oh, hello, filth heads. Hope you all had a great new year. If you're someone who, you know, subscribes to calendars in the passage of time. But also, I don't want to force that on anyone if you're like not into that. And I think it's the new year, so we should start off with a bang. So who's better than banging than... Benjamin Franklin. That's right. We finally made it to old Benny boy. And Benjamin Franklin, you know him. But do you, do you, do we really know the founders? Also, does it even matter what they actually thought? Because we spend so much time interpreting, interpreting, (laughs) interpreting who they were and what they were trying to do that we forget that other things were happening. But you know what? I am just going to succumb yet again to the historical kind of, I guess, basic bitchness of talking about Benjamin Franklin for today's episode. And I realized that I was actually kind of confused about him, which that's annoying. I thought he was like fucking around all the time, you know, and like had sex with a thousand French women. Oh la la, Monsieur Franklin! But it might have not been that many. It also maybe it wasn't that at all like some some historians suggest that maybe he just liked the flirt and he didn't consummate that many of his relationships you know he wrote a lot he wrote a lot of letters and essays and diaries and autobiographies and stuff that's the thing maybe don't give a man a printing press he's just gonna abuse it and it definitely seems that with a lot of the stuff he wrote, he wrote it with the intention of someone wanting to read it, you know? And he never, like, explicitly was like, me and these French broads be fucking. Oh, Monsieur Franklin, we are not actually fucking! Uh, sorry, this accent is offensive. I'll stop. Some historians argue that when he was, like, in France, he was older. So maybe he wasn't able to fuck as much, you know? And this Franklin biographer, Paul Zoll, Described him as a foxy grandpa. He's like, yeah, he was just an old guy who liked to flirt, right? And sure, you could look at him as an old guy who liked to flirt. 
I mean, you could also look at him as a serial sexual harasser. But whether or not he was literally fucking people, it does seem that throughout his life he was horny AF. Like, I, I'm postulating that maybe he invented the lightning rod so he could, like, shock his balls or something, you know? In his widely popular autobiography, he does talk about his youthful self and being uh, sexually provocative. He said, quote, this hard to be governed passion of my youth hurried me frequently into intrigue with such low women as fell in my way. P.S. I hate when low women fall in my way. It's so annoying. I'm like, get out of the way, low women. Anyway, these low women which were attended with some expense and inconvenience beside a continual risk to my health by a distemper which, of all things, I dreaded, though by great good luck I escaped it. Basically, he's being like, "Mm, when I was young, I engaged with some prostitutes, and phew, I did not get syphilis. I am one lucky dog. But also, I don't appreciate how he's painting himself as a victim here. Like, oh no, the low women, they fell in my way. It was expensive and inconvenient. There was nothing I could do but have sex with them. But really, do you guys know what Benny Franklin was mostly horny for? He was horny for his work. That's right. He loved doing his job and writing stuff. You know, what are women compared to books and government? Yes, that's a modified Jane Austen quote. Whatever. But obviously I do have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about Benjamin, about Benny boy. Because while some people choose to remember Benjamin Franklin as this foxy grandpa, ha ha he he, Benjamin Franklin actually had a wife. And in my humble opinion, he treated her like absolute dog shit. So that's what we're talking about today. Someone who rarely gets mentioned, I feel like when you hear about Benjamin Franklin... We're talking about his relationship with his wife. Here's a theme song. This is American Filth. I'm Gabby Watts. Every week I tell you a filthy story from American history. This week's episode, Breadcrumbing Benjamin Franklin. You guys might be like, what the fuck does the title of this episode mean? Okay, so I think we're all familiar with ghosting. You know, it's where someone just erases their existence, stops responding to you after you've set some sort of precedent of connection with them. You know, they just don't show up, don't text back. I always like to personally assume they are dead. And then if I ever see them in public again, I fall to the floor weeping, wailing to God for this great miracle that they're still alive. Anyway, I'm a great person to know. But there's this other thing, it's called breadcrumbing, where someone doesn't try to just ghost you, but basically they just like keep making promises to hang out, but then they never do. You know, it's like people who hold on to you and are relying on your emotional availability, but then they never fall through with it. That's breadcrumbing, okay? Now imagine if someone did that to you, where someone kept promising to hang out, but then never did. But instead of just doing this over a few weeks or months, 
It happened over the course of 10 years. And the person doing it to you, being like, yeah, I'll come back, I'll hang out soon, is your husband. And your husband is Benjamin Franklin. That would suck, right? Well, that's exactly what he did. That's what annoys me about him. But we're going to get to that at the end of the episode. I also just don't think he treated her very well in general. So let's start kind of at the beginning of their love story, I suppose. So his wife was named Deborah Reed. And Benny Boy, he called her Debbie. And technically, they weren't actually married. But they lived as a married couple. It was essentially a common law marriage. So... As you can surmise, the way that they got together was a bit topsy-turvy. When Benny Boy was a younger dude, uh, about 17 years old in 1723, he was living in Philadelphia, you know, basically the Silicon Valley of the 1720s because it had all of this hot tech. For example, the printing press. And the story goes, according to his autobiography, that one day he was walking around carrying some loaves of bread one under each arm, mm, armpit bread, and then chomping down on a third. Debbie, a young lady, was standing outside her home's doorway on Market Street when she saw him, and she thought he looked so silly and weird, but also endearing. It's like he's carrying all that bread and just like chomping down on one that's so silly. She was like, Benjamin Franklin, you have a most awkward and ridiculous appearance. But through a series of events, uh, Benjamin Franklin actually became a boarder at Debbie's house and stayed there for about six months. And while he was there, they fell in love. Isn't that convenient just to have a boyfriend in your house? But the thing is, when Benny Boy proposed marriage in 1724, Debbie's mom wouldn't let them get married because, A, he didn't seem very financially responsible. You know, he was basically a gig worker. And B, he had recently been recruited by Pennsylvania's governor to go to London to run a printing house there. Anyway, Benny Boy left Philadelphia, boo-hoo, and he and Debbie decided to postpone any sort of marriage plans. But then, while Benny Boy was in London, he realized that the Pennsylvanian government had basically swindled him. There was actually no equipment waiting for him in London so that he could run a printing house. And he also had no money for a return ticket. So Benny sent Debbie a letter, basically breaking up with her, because at that point he had no plans to return to Philadelphia. And also he probably realized that her mom would not let them get married anyway, so instead of getting dumped, he was being proactive by being the dumper. Also, you know, he was still in his youth, horned up, ready to go. And he did tell someone later that he had actually just mostly forgotten about his engagement to Debbie when he had reached London. <laughs> and Debbie was probably very sad about this whole situation. Uh, she always seemed to be a little bit more into Benjamin than he was into her. But also her mom was trying to look out for her best interest, you know. She's like, if you marry Benjamin Franklin, you're going to be poor. Look at him. He's dumb. I mean, obviously, his situation improves, but at the time. So instead, Debbie's mom persuaded her to marry a potter named John Rogers because that's a more stable job, a ceramicist. But John turned out to be a piece of shit nut job. It turned out that he was actually already married to someone in England, and then he spent all of Debbie's dowry and then fled to the West Indies, where presumably he died 
But the problem is that it was too expensive to try to prove that he was dead. So unfortunately, Debbie had to stay married to that rat. Technically, women could self-divorce at this point, but the church wouldn't allow another marriage. And without him actually being declared dead, she couldn't be a free and fun and flirty widow. And that's why I never trust a man who's into pottery. Anyway, Benny Boy came back to Philadelphia in 1726. And despite being tricked by the governor, he returned with lots of prospects and fortune ahead. He had a lot of good printing work in his future and newspapers to make. When he got back, he did see Debbie from time to time in social situations, but she was so embarrassed about her Potter husband that she rarely went out and did social activities. Benny was like, damn, I feel bad for her and everything she's gone through, but also she tried to dump me. Boo, Debbie. But aha, Debbie would not be the only one who committed a folly or two. So remember how Benny Boy mentioned in his autobiography that he was really horny when he was young? Well, it seems that he was so horny that he accidentally fathered a son. Whoopsies. He either met a low woman or another lady and made a cummy wummy inside of her and made a baby. Whoopsies. But Benny, he decided to be a nice guy. And when the baby boy was born, he took the child to raise. He was like, I shall raise this son as a proper good boy. And to this day, no one knows who the mother was and why, you know, he couldn't marry her and be with her. But the thing is, Benjamin Franklin taking the kid, that was a rare, unprecedented act for its time. Usually they would just leave the bastards behind. But the thing is, then Benny Boy was a bit in a predicament. Because he was like, I cannot raise a child on my own. I am important and I am a man. That would be ridiculous. I need some lady to raise this child. But what good lady in her right mind would raise someone else's child? I would need a woman who has no other prospects, whose dowry has been squandered by someone else who died in the West Indies, and someone who likes me enough to raise my bastard. Oh my God, how convenient. I'll ask sad-ass Debbie. So even though Debbie couldn't technically get married, she and Benny Boy agreed to a common-law marriage on September 1st, 1730. She moved into his house and became the mother to his bastard, uh, who, by the way, also had a name. His name was William. And the thing is, Benny and Debbie, they had a very long marriage. And it does seem that for much of the marriage, they had a perfectly fine relationship. But at the same time, it doesn't seem that Benny was actually that into her sexually. They did have two kids together, a boy named Francis, who died of smallpox at a very young age. And then after Francis died, they had Sarah, But Benny Boy described Debbie pretty disparagingly in a lot of his letters. For example, he compared her body to a beer mug. I mean, not the, like, hottest form, I guess. And then there's this account of one of Benjamin Franklin's friends coming over, and Debbie was, like, on the floor wailing and yelling at him. Fuck you, Benjamin Franklin. So obviously it was not a perfectly harmonious situation in their household. I mean, also being a woman at the time probably sucked because you just had to, like, raise children and shit, which sounds boring as fuck. No offense. I mean, on the one hand, this marriage was awesome for Debbie. She didn't really have any other choice. But also, it seems that she got a little stressed out because of Benjamin Franklin. 
But we know from Benjamin Franklin's perspective that the marriage was good for him because it tempered his horned upness. He wrote a very silly essay in the form of a letter in 1747 called A Letter on Marriage. Another title of this essay is Advice to a Young Man on the Choice of a Mistress. It's basically addressing a man who is not interested in getting married. And the gist of it is Franklin is trying to be like, no, marriage is good. You got to do it. But he says, if you don't get married and you still want to fuck around, I really recommend you get a mistress who is older than you. That's right. Find you a cougar. Find you a milf because they are better mistresses. And I wanted to share some of this essay in the episode because, yeah, it's a satire. Yeah, it's comedy. But I feel like there's probably some truth about how Benjamin Franklin felt about marriage in it. Um, And I'm not actually going to read the letter myself, okay? Uh, One reviewer of this show said I sound like a nervous 12-year-old boy giving a book report in an aggressive monotone, which while you might think it's a criticism, it's actually just accurate. So I'm getting my boyfriend to read it. Yeah, sorry, boys and girls. I have a boyfriend. Okay, I need you to sound like you are Benjamin Franklin. Can you do it? Hello, I'm Benjamin Franklin. No, that's too much. Just read the fucking letter (laughs) thing. My dear friend, I know of no medicine fit to diminish the violent natural inclinations you mention. And if I did, I think I should not communicate it to you. Marriage is the proper remedy. It is the most natural state of man, and therefore the state in which you are most likely to find solid happiness. Your reasons against entering into it at present appear to me not well-founded. The circumstantial advantages you have in view by postponing it are not only uncertain, but they are small in comparison with that of the thing itself, the being married and settled. It is the man and woman united that make the complete human being, Separate, she wants his force of body and strength of reason, he, her softness, sensibility, and acute discernment. Together they are more likely to succeed in the world. A single man has not nearly the value he would have in that state of union. He is an incomplete animal. He resembles the odd half of a pair of scissors. If you get a prudent, healthy wife, your industry and your profession, with her good economy, will be a fortune sufficient. Okay, so that's the wife part of the essay. The next part is the MILF part, which is, and it's not really necessary for this episode, but I will have my boyfriend read the rest of it at the end of the episode because it's, it's very funny. But the annoying thing about this marriage part is that he says that marriage will make you more successful in the world. He says it makes you a more complete human. You know, together you will succeed in the world. But... In the later part of their marriage, Benjamin Franklin basically leaves Debbie all alone for two decades. Okay, we'll be right back after these soothing advertisements. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So in 1736, Deborah Reed and Benjamin Franklin's son Francis died of smallpox, which is surprising because Benjamin Franklin was a huge proponent of this new thing called inoculation. Like, why had he not inoculated his son if he was so into it? Some people think that maybe Francis was already sick as fuck by the time they could have inoculated him. But some other people think that maybe Debbie prevented it from happening. And then Benjamin Franklin held that against her for the rest of their marriage. And over decades of being married, maybe this resentment and bitterness built up until he just didn't really want to have much to do with her. Or maybe he was just, I don't know, too preoccupied with the U.S. being independent or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I can't go back in time. I can't ask him. So basically, for two decades, starting in the 1750s, Benjamin Franklin spent most of his time in England. And while he was there, Debbie was not. In his defense, Benny Boy had asked Debbie to come along to London, but she refused. She was terrified of the ocean and traveling by boat. I mean, why would you not be? The bottom of the ocean is heinous. I mean, they didn't even know what it looked like back then, but Debbie maybe got a sense about all those like creepy things at the bottom. So he headed over there in 1757, and that's when all the breadcrumbing began. So when he left, he was like, yeah, I'll be home soon. But then he didn't come back for five years. Then he was home for a little bit, and then he left again. And then he wasn't back for, what, 10 years. And here's the pattern that would happen. He would send letters, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll be back in a few months. I'll be back at the end of spring. And then spring would come around and then he'd be like, well, just kidding. Maybe I'll come back at the end of fall or something. Or maybe I'll come back in the winter. But actually now the ocean, it's too cold. I don't want to go now. So maybe next year. And he kept doing this. Also, it just seems that Benjamin Franklin wasn't really communicating with Debbie very well. Like the second time he was over in London, the one where he'd be gone for 10 years, Debbie sent him a letter where she said, oh, I have been so happy as to receive several of your dear letters within these few days. She said that she had been reading it over and over again, and quote, I call it a husband's love letter. 
But really, she might have been saying that to be a bit manipulative. She was like, oh, my God, that's so nice of you to write me. How nice of you to remember that I exist. The woman who bore two of your children and also raised your friggin' bastard. What a kindness that you would deign to write to me. Also, when you left back in February, you said you'd be gone a few months and now it's freaking October and you're not telling me when you're going to come back. And here's the crazier thing about this. So he kept doing that thing where he was like, yeah, I'll come back, but then he wouldn't. But the thing is, do you know what happened? In 1769, Debbie had a stroke. (laughs) And even after that, Benjamin Franklin did not come home. She kept asking him. She was like, babe, I'm sorry to bother you, but when might you perchance be coming home? I had a stroke. I almost died. And at this point, even after her fucking stroke, he was just ignoring her. He didn't offer her any clarity on when he would come back until July 1771. He was basically like, yeah, I'll be here for one more winter and then I'll come home. But then, guess what? He postponed it again and then many more times. And then it was 1774. And that year, again, twice he said he'd return and didn't. And then in December of 1774, Debbie had another stroke. And she died. So yeah, basically there was like a five-year period in which she had a stroke. He didn't come back and then she had a stroke and died. And yeah, sure, during this time, there was a lot of important shit going down. Like a revolution was about to start, but whatever. I still don't like it. Fuck you, Benjamin Franklin. And can you guys believe that, that even after she died, Benjamin Franklin, her husband, he didn't feel compelled to immediately come home, you know, to like go to Philadelphia and help with funeral stuff and say goodbye to her before she was put in the ground. No, 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 no. He didn't come back to Philadelphia until the following year, May 1775. At which point the American Revolution was already happening. So it's just like men are so predictable, you know? It's like, I'm not going to come home and tend to my sick wife, but I will come home for war. Men love war more than women. Don't you dare dissect that statement. And here's the thing. I can't imagine the stress Debbie was under just waiting for her husband. Just like being in this sort of like limbo where you're like, well, you're coming back. I'm preparing the house. I'm preparing everything for your return. And then he just doesn't arrive and also doesn't communicate about him not arriving. That sounds so stressful. And you know what causes a stroke? High blood pressure. And where do you get high blood pressure from? Being stressed out. So yeah, Benjamin Franklin killed his wife. Uh, And yeah, sure, me saying that Benjamin Franklin killed his wife, that is some revisionist history. Or as some people would say, wild conjecture and absolutely incorrect. But whatever, I'm standing by my hyperbolic statements. So yeah, guys, that is why I am pissed off at Benjamin Franklin. I know you guys were wondering the new year how I felt about him, and that's how I feel. Pew pew, Uh, I put in these cannon sounds because this is a big moment for everyone uh, learning my opinion on Benjamin Franklin. So, cannons. So, I know I promised the rest of the marriage letter where Benjamin Franklin talks about how if you're going to get a mistress, it's better to have a MILF. I'm tagging my boyfriend back in to read it. But just remember... Earlier in the letter, he was like, blah, 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 you should get married. Why would you not, you idiot? 
But if you don't. Okay, now we're doing the next part of the letter. So start right there. But if you will not take <laughs> But if you will not take this counsel and persist in thinking a commerce with the sex inevitable, then I repeat my former advice that in all your amours you should prefer old women to young ones. You call this a paradox and demand my reasons? They are these. One, because as they have more knowledge of the world and their minds are better stored with observations, their conversation is more improving and more lastingly agreeable. Two, because when women cease to be handsome, they study to be good. To maintain their influence over men, they supply the diminution of beauty and augmentation of utility. They learn to do a thousand services, small and great, and are the most tender and useful of all friends when you are sick. Thus they continue amiable, and hence, there is hardly such a thing to be found as an old woman who is not a good woman. 3. Because there is no hazard of children, which, irregularly produced, may be attended with much inconvenience. 4. Because through more experience they are more prudent and discreet in conducting an intrigue to prevent suspicion. The commerce with them is therefore safer with regard to your reputation, and with regard to theirs. If the affair should happen to be known, considerate people might be rather inclined to excuse an old woman who would kindly take care of a young man, form his manners by her good counsels, and prevent his ruining his health and fortune among mercenary prostitutes. 5. Because in every animal that walks upright, the deficiency of the fluids that fill the muscles appears first in the highest part. The face first grows lank and wrinkled, then the neck, then the breast and arms, the lower parts continuing to last as plump as ever so that covering all above with a basket and regarding only what is below the girdle, it is impossible of two women to know an old from a young one. And as in the dark, all cats are gray. The pleasure of corporal enjoyment with an old woman is at least equal and frequently superior, every knack being by practice capable of improvement. Six, because the sin is less, the debauching a virgin may be her ruin and make her for life unhappy. Seven, because the compunction is less, the having made a young girl miserable may give you frequent bitter reflections, none of which can attend the making an old woman happy. Eighthly and lastly, they are so grateful. But still I advise you to marry directly, being sincerely your affectionate friend. As the older woman in our relationship, is this how you think of me? Yes. Ah, you cover me with a basket. <laughs> anyway, dear filth heads, please remember that this is a comedy podcast and me saying Benjamin Franklin killed his wife is crazy. But like Debbie, I have also been at the whim of men who kept promising to hang out, but then never did. And it drove me insane. So I'm taking all of this very personally. Also, I did include several real facts throughout this episode. Anyway, I'm going to try to compose myself. Not all the episodes are going to be like this, I swear to God. I was just passionate. So in American Filth, we always learn something from the episode. There's always a moral to take away from it. And, you know, to counter my bias, I will try to say something from Benjamin Franklin's perspective, from his point of view, be empathetic to him. So what I think we learned from this episode is that wives are so fucking annoying. Why would you pester me when I'm thinking about war and stuff? Leave me alone. 
Yuck. Anyway, let's roll the credits. American Filth is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcast. This episode was written and hosted by me, Gabby Watts. The theme song is by me and Jesse Nyswanger. Senior producer is Amelia Brock, and our executive producers are Virginia Prescott, Brandon Barr, and Elsie Crowley. Please leave the show a review, follow it, give it some stars, whatever, make the algorithm work so we can keep making the show. And you can also follow the pod on Instagram at American Filth Pod. Talk at you next week. School of Humans. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.